you should go to a friend's house at midnight and say, friend, let me borrow three loaves of bread. A friend of mine who is on a journey has just come to my house and I haven't got any food for him. And suppose your friend should answer from inside, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Well, what then? I tell you that even if he will not get up and give you the bread because you are his friend, yet he will get up and give you everything you need because you are not ashamed to keep on asking. And so I say to you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. Open, be open to you. For all those who ask will receive, and those who seek will find. And the door will be open to anyone who knocks. Would any of you are the fathers give your son snake when he asked for fish? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Right. Hello. Usually, um, Katrina says something like, may I speak in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not my church background, so forgive me. Yes, I think I said it right. Um, anyway, we're thinking about prayer. And I really loved where Sarah went with that last week. Um, and for me, I've kind of gone maybe in a bit of a di different direction. Um, it's, I'm thinking more about my personal experience, but also... Um, jumping around the Bible so maybe if you like finding references it might be useful to have a Bible nearby um, but when I thought about prayer I was actually transported back to being 18 um, so I became a Christian uh, when I was 17 and then literally a few months later I packed up my stuff moved to rural West Wales to work in a cathedral um, but in a city that had the population of the same size as my high school um, and to say that was one of the biggest challenges of my newfound faith would be an understatement. <laughs> um, I was really challenged because the church I'd just found God in looked really different from this cathedral. Um, I was challenged because the housemates I was sharing this new job and this new life with didn't share my faith, even though they worked in a cathedral, which I found really confusing. Um, and I was challenged by, for the first time, being away from my faith community. Um, and within a few uh, weeks, I'd say my faith was really cracking. I felt more distant from God than I had actually probably before I found God. Um, and I'd say my newly seeded faith had, in the words of the parable of the sower, fallen on rocky ground. I was growing, just about, but I was fighting to make it happen. And similarly, since I moved to Belgium in September, in the midst of all this nonsense, <laughs> in a new culture, in a place where my new church family are tiny boxes on a screen for an hour every Sunday. And um, even now, my eight-year-old faith is having a hard time feeling connected. And so when I thought about further up and further in, I kind of groaned a bit and actually found myself thinking about all the times I actually felt further away and further out. 
Um, and the fact is, there will be times in all of our faith lives um, when we really feel far away from God. And at those times, I remember someone saying to me on my discipleship year, there are three things you really don't want to do. You really don't have a desire to pray. The effort to pick up your Bible is far too much. And church kind of feels like a bit of a faff and quite a bit of a struggle. And our readings today, you might wonder why I chose those two, because they don't really fit that well together. Um, and the one doesn't really lead that well into another. But the reason why is because I felt they demonstrated really well um, the fact that I'd like to look at the Trinity and to look at how each member of the Trinity exists to point us towards the other one um, and actually to help us to pray when we really don't know how to. And so let's join together with the disciples and say, Lord, teach me how to pray. So we pray with God the Father. Um, when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray in Luke, he doesn't give them any room to doubt the prayer's effectiveness. Um, it's actually a shorter version of the prayer that we've also seen in the Gospels in Matthew 6. But I adore this moment with Jesus and his disciples because he just unlocks the key to prayer with a culturally irrelevant and really clear parable, which is maybe not so culturally relevant and clear to us. Um, but when we pray with God the Father, we're absolutely not praying anything he doesn't already know. And that's the, the thing that I really feel like Jesus is saying to us here. In Matthew, Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And here I think Jesus is just elaborating on that. And in our passage in Galatians, Paul reminds us of our standing with the Father. It says, well, in my version, it says we're all children of God through faith and to pray with God. The father starts, yes, in a place of revering him and knowing that he's creator of the universe, that he's revered in majesty, but also by really knowing that we're his beloved children and he wants to give us good things. One of my um, key examples of really knowing that God was father and a good parental figure um, was when I was a childminder when I left university. I childminded three boys under the age of seven and I have to say it made me have a newfound respect for all parents um, and I remember getting home with the two-year-old. He'd been at nursery all day and um, he threw a jam sandwich at his brother and then just had a complete meltdown. And I was fed up. And so I picked him up, slung him over my shoulder, went upstairs and put him to bed. Um, and I, I really, really couldn't deal with it. I was so fed up with him. And as I came back down the stairs, I felt God say, but Louise, you have tantrums. Like, you, you, you melt down like that with me. That's not how I deal with you. And one that was a lesson to me in the fact that I need to do some growing before I'm ever allowed in charge of children properly. And two, um, that God is just such a perfect parent. He, God the Father really knows how to parent us and he lets us have meltdowns and he doesn't get impatient with us, um, which is, wow, incredible. Um, and so when I feel further out and further away, well, I don't know about you, but prayer feels exhausting and time consuming and all encompassing. And actually, Father God already sees that. And in that, he gives us the greatest gift he can. It's not riches or praise or necessarily the things that we crave, but it's the thing we need the most. 
if the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if God is Father, a good Father, then sometimes we don't have to speak. Because in the safety of a really good parental relationship, and if you haven't had one of those, don't worry, I haven't really either. We learn about these things by coming to God. We become confident in his promise and interesting in who he is. And so he gives us Holy Spirit. We can pray with the Spirit as well. And I love that in this letter to the Galatians, Paul reminds them that it is the Spirit that causes us to cry out Abba or Father, or even if it makes you cringe like it does to me, Dad. Holy Spirit is the one that points us back to Father and he gives us his presence in the first place. I love that the Trinity all always pointing to each other. And Jesus himself knew that we couldn't do it alone. In John 14, Jesus refers to Holy Spirit as another comforter or another advocate or another counsellor. Holy Spirit is the living, active presence of God in our prayer life. He points us back towards the other persons of the Trinity and counsels and guides us in everyday life. And because of this presence of God, we don't have to feel the silence in our prayer life. In fact, I kind of see Holy Spirit as a bit of an unlocker of the voice of God. That when we pray, we don't have to come with something in mind. We just have to come and we might end up sitting in silence and we might find that ridiculous or a bit silly. Or if you're an extrovert like me, you're desperate to fill the noise somehow. Maybe you need to go for a run or pray as you go to sleep or something I've been doing recently, which is um, setting my alarm as a song um, so that I start my day by that real stillness with God when I have no desire to make any noise anyway. Um, and Holy Spirit just takes the pressure off of us really saying anything, coming with perfect words. And I kind of thought to myself, well, prayer only gets difficult when I take God out of the equation. <laughs> um, because God himself already knows and the spirit himself speaks. And so we just have to turn up. And in a book called um, The Praying Life, the author puts it like this. I urge you, carry on an ongoing conversation about the daily stuff of life. A little like Tevier in Fiddler on the Roof. For now, don't worry about proper praying. Just talk to God. And so when we feel further out and further away, maybe we just need to turn up and not proper pray. And finally, obviously, we have to pray with God the Son. And this is the bit that I've, I've said that I've done three runs through the service uh, and I have cried at all of one of them. <laughs> so, um, because we pray to a God who has felt further out and further away. We pray to the God who walked this earth with us, to the God who emptied himself of divinity. And as it says in John 1, he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. In fact, friends, the world didn't just not recognize him. The world rejected him. And the poignant moment of recognition of this for me is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane agonizingly awake while his disciples, his friends, sleep in agony from what is to come ahead of him. And yet he's willing to go. 
we're talking about the God who cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not because he felt hard done by, but because in that moment he'd completely separated from the Father. And I don't know about you, but even though I know it's literally not physically possible, there are times in my prayer life where I feel like God has completely abandoned me. And especially over the last six months, I feel like God has dropped me off in Belgium for the work he's been calling me to do for nearly five years. And then he just kind of upped and left. And it's so painful. And yet I'm reminded that the same God who I feel like has abandoned me can't and won't because he suffered that pain instead. And when I was 18 in that tiny village city, I heard the now Bishop of Blackburn, Reverend Philip North speak at the cathedral. And I remember very little about this sermon apart from one tiny story that he shared, which was of a member of his congregation who felt like her prayer life was raw. And so she decided to just pray the name of Jesus every day until she felt closer to God again. And what a reminder the name of Jesus is. And so if you're feeling this Lent further out and further away, I'd invite you with me. That's what I've decided to do now is just to sit and say the name of Jesus. Invite the enormity of who Jesus is into the vastness of his empathy into your prayer life. Maybe this Lent, you don't need to go super deep, super far in. Maybe you just need to take one step closer to the Trinity who knows and loves us. Amen. Amen. We're just going to go straight into a piece of music that Louise chose for us to reflect on that, and then we'll have some time in uh, shared reflection. Like no other 
I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend Oh, I have lived in the goodness of God stay as one big group now um, and um, I suggest that we take some time to um, share any responses to the sermon to what Louise preached about prayer and thank you Louise for such a personal and um, 